Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. I'm so happy you joined us on our episode today. We're going to be talking about living counterculture, expats, exiles, and examples. You know, when we think about those three terms, expats, exiles, and examples, I think of expat. That's um, short for expatriate, living outside your country. I lived in Germany twice for about six years. The second three years, I was actually conscious of it. (laughs) Uh, Earlier, I'd been a, a small child. But the second time, I was old enough to have lived in America and then lived in Germany, and I was keenly aware of the differences and the experience of those. I've cruised on the Rhine. I've stood on the patio balcony of Hitler's eagle's nest. I've seen small towns of Germany, and I've been to some of the great castles there as well. All in all, I'd have to say there's no place like the USA. (laughs) And author Sarah Turnbull, in her book, Almost French, Love and a New Life in Paris, wrote, It is a bittersweet thing knowing two cultures. Once you leave your birthplace, nothing is ever the same. So I've been an expat, but... um, Maybe I've been in exile. Maybe you have too. Due to obligations, many of us have known separation from family and distant places, foreign cultures, seemingly cut off forever from the places and people that we love. You know, the funny thing about history is that exiles, banished and forgotten, often return in power to take charge. And I think of the idea of examples, expats, exiles, and examples. As a Christian in a non-Christian culture, we represent our king, and we long to go to a place to which we've never been, and we invite others to leave this place and go with us. Yes, we are ambassadors for Christ. We are the advanced representatives of the king and his coming kingdom, announcing the gracious invitation to be part of his kingdom. And the best way for us to do that is to display exemplary conduct and to be a blessing, not a burden to others. Did you know in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 29, verses 4 to 7, God has a word to expats and exiles. This is what the Lord told His people when He sent them in captivity from Israel, Jerusalem, to Babylon. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, unto all that are carried away captives, whom I have caused to be carried away from Jerusalem unto Babylon. Build ye houses and dwell in them, and plant gardens and eat the fruit of them. Take ye wives and beget sons and daughters, and take wives for your sons and give your daughters to husbands, that they may bear sons and daughters, that ye may be increased there and not diminished. And seek the peace of the city, whither I have caused you to be carried away captives, and pray unto the Lord for it, for in the peace thereof shall ye have peace." Wow! Not a word of encouragement to riot, loot, shoot, or steal from others. Just settle down, build your own homes, 
raise a family, build a future, and help build up the community where God puts you. Create the peace you want where you are. Be such a blessing to your city that the non-Christians in it will defend you against those who hate you. Well, Titus was left on the island of Crete by the Apostle Paul to fix the problems in the new churches among the new believers on Crete. And one of the main things that is stressed in Titus 2 and here in Titus chapter 3 is the idea of doing good works. Be a blessing to everybody around you. That's how we live counterculture. Even though we may feel that we're expats, exiles, we still must be examples. So in Titus 3, let's read there. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. But avoid questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable in vain. A man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. When I shall send Artemis unto thee, or Tychicus, be diligent to come unto me to Nicopolis, for I have determined there to winter. Bring Zenus the lawyer and Apollos on their journey diligently, that nothing be wanting unto them. And let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses, that they be not unfruitful. All that are with me salute thee. Greet them that love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. Amen. Now, as we think about Titus chapter 3, we see right at the start that in verses 1 and 2, we are told that we are to be in obedience under the authority of governmental powers and to obey magistrates. That is, be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates. So we see 
I believe the, not only the legislative side, but the law enforcement side of government, and to be ready to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. And there's a negative there in verse 3. We're not to be like so often the world around us. For, for we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. So we're to be the right kind of citizens, the right type of examples. We are to not live like so many around us in the world live. We're not to be like that. And we think about the whole idea of being obedient to government. And normally, under normal circumstances, we would say, yeah, that's right, and it is right, it's biblical. But the questions are starting to arise today is, all right, we, we understood what that meant a year ago, but we're seeing some very unusual things happening today. How do we work around that and yet still be, or try to be, the best citizens possible? Well, I think our answer is in the Bible. I know that it is. In Acts 5.29, after Peter and the other apostles were threatened to shut up, about Jesus Christ and meeting in the temple and worshiping the risen Lord Jesus Christ, they were told to quit preaching Jesus. This is what they had to say in Acts 5.29. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now I'm so appreciative of Pastor John MacArthur Grace Community Church in California, who explained recently that their church made diligent effort to comply with government guidelines about the pandemic, the quarantine and shelter in place and all of those things that were are going on, were going on and are going on in California and many other states around the country. And they made every effort to be cooperative. But it's like he said, it, they finally realized that, you know, it, it wasn't just two weeks because the goal line kept being moved everywhere you look. And it's become, what are we at now? Six months, something like that. And it's high time to obey God. Every effort has been made to obey government. And now we are basically feeling that this is aimed at the church, and we are told that we cannot gather and worship God. Well, God says we are to gather and worship Him. So now we have an issue. So Pastor MacArthur has declared that they are going to begin worshiping again, following common sense guidelines to protect those who might need to be protected, and yet they've been threatened with fines and jail time and all of that. So the question was put to Dr. MacArthur, what are you going to do if you are fined or threatened with jail time? And this is what he said, the first hill we come to, we will die on it. You see, even though we are to obey government, when government begins to think it's God and tries to take the place of God, then we have to decide not to obey 
that but to obey God. Not to obey them, but to obey God. Obey where we can and not disobey God. If we are forced to choose, then disobey man to obey God. Now in Titus chapter 3, we see very clearly good works are mentioned. But I want to hasten to add quickly, lest there be a misunderstanding. In no way are we talking about doing good works so you can go to heaven. I want to make that clear. That's not what this is talking about. You see, the true Christian does things that are good. He does good works not to be saved, but because he is saved. So we're not doing it to be saved, but because we are saved. And three times in Titus chapter 3, we see the instruction to be careful to maintain good works, to be those that are characterized by going about and doing good, which is exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did in his earthly ministry. Jesus went about doing good. Now, that's what we're to do. We're to do good works. That is, we're not to be good for nothing, but to be good and useful. Have you ever heard somebody say about Christians where they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good? Well, that should never truthfully be said about us. And I know there are those that um, get all mixed up in how they live the Christian life, and, and they may invite that. But when we're doing it correctly, we ought to be of great benefit to our neighbors and our community. We, we are to not be, quote, so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good. It is because we're correctly heavenly minded that we are doing earthly good. So good works uh, by those who are already saved are essential. And you'll see later that in uh, verses um, 10 and 11, a man that is an heretic after the first and second admonition reject knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinneth, being condemned of himself. Well, what were they doing? Well, we're told in verse 9, the people that were deviating for this, this is what they were doing and they were not to do, but avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable in vain. A man that is an heretic, after the first and second admonition, reject, knowing that he that is such is subverted and sinned, being condemned of himself. So we are not to be those who sit around um, debating theological points endlessly, not to say that theology is not important, not saying that, but we are not to be those that are consumed by that so that we are not being used by the Lord to witness to this culture and to, to be the walking examples of Christ in this culture through good works. And Paul says here, hey, anybody who goes off in that other direction and they want to major on minors, uh, he says, hey, just, you know, be done with them. Warn them twice after that, uh, you know, don't keep having them involved with your church. So we see good works listed here, but we also see a good attitude. Now, I want to explain this. 
if we can be as right as rain, biblically, theologically, but if our neighbors don't like us, they're not going to listen to us. How clear can we make this? We're not only to do good works, but we're to have a good attitude. If you are known as a whiner at work, why would anybody listen to your witness at work? Have a good attitude. They Listen, what we need to realize when we look at the examples of negativity that we just saw in uh, Titus 3, you know, he talks about, let's look at that again. He talks there about, um, where are we here? Look at verse... Uh, I'm getting all mixed up here. Sorry. Look back at verse 3. The the people in the lost world are, are described as foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lusts, and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Well, we're not to be like that, but that's often how the world is, and it seems increasingly that's how the world is. Well, hey, they just don't get it. And they don't get it like we didn't get it before we met Christ. So they haven't met the Lord yet. When they do, then they will become more like Jesus. Does that make sense to you? Because in verse 4 it says, But after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to uh, the hope of eternal life. Had to switch pages there. So, listen, when we think about the lost people around us, sometimes it's irritating. But we should not be irritating to them. They, they don't understand. It goes under the same category as the Lord on the cross saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It's the same thing. So we're to have good works. We're to maintain a good attitude but when we're put in a jam by government, for example, offer a good alternative. Like, I, I believe Grace Community Church has done that, and many churches have done this, not just them. They've said, look, uh, we're going to continue to worship, but we understand that the, the elderly or those with underlying uh, health issues, you know, we need to be sure we're looking out for them too. And that's exactly what Dr. MacArthur said. He said, initially... We were thinking people were going to be dying in the streets from this, and that clearly has not happened. And uh, But, you know, there are people who are still uh, very susceptible. And, you know, I was thinking about this. I might be. I might get it. I might die from it if I got it. But you know what? I don't think that means that you shouldn't be allowed to worship anymore together corporately with the body of Christ. I don't think because I might get sick and I might die from it that you have to lose your job. That makes no sense at all. But anyway, uh, don't get a bad attitude about it. Offer a good alternative. Like, well, we're going to worship, you know, six feet apart or whatever. The church I attend does that. We, we take all these precautions to be reasonable. 
But be like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah in the book of Daniel when they first were taken from Jerusalem to Babylon as captives and they were told that they had to eat the diet of the king which violated Jewish law. They didn't pitch a fit. They just said, hey, give us a test. Let us use our diet for you know, a time period and see if we're healthy at the end of it. You know what? They were so healthy that everybody in their class had to adopt their diet. So they offered a good creative alternative. But you know what? I've seen times, and you have too, and I'm sure we'll see way more of these as government thinks it's God, which is not. But as we go forward into the future, we can have good works going on, we can, you know, be we can be feeding the hungry, clothing those who need clothing, uh, working for the good of our community, our neighborhood, have a good attitude, offer good alternatives. But some people we deal with are just bad to the bone. Okay, we live in a lost, fallen culture, and not only that, but it has demonic activity within that culture that often tries to work through government, not good government, but corrupt government, and oppress God and God's people and God's church. So even though we have good works, we have a good attitude and offer good alternatives, we may have to go down the road of good suffering. Pastor Ed, what are you talking about? Well, hey, if you just got saved yesterday, and somebody told you now all your troubles are over, they didn't really tell you the whole truth. <laughs> yes, you belong to Jesus. You will go to heaven, not because of you, but because of Jesus Christ. But you may go some, through some trouble here before you get there. Does that make sense? Let me show you what I mean. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. Peter writes here, And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? Now let's just stop right there. That's normal common sense. If you're doing right, who is going to give you trouble for that, right? That's just, that should be the way it normally is. That's common sense. But as we're discovering, common sense is not all that common anymore. So that's what it should be. But Peter realized that it doesn't always work that way. So let's read the, read the whole thing here. 1 Peter 3, 13 to 17. And who is he that will harm you if ye be followers of that which is good? But, and if ye suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that ye suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. 
Now let's start at the end and work our way back. You know, if we're suffering, like let's say I go out this afternoon and rob a bank and I go to prison. Hey, don't pray for me because I'm in prison suffering for Christ. I'm suffering because I robbed a bank. All right? So, let's get that straight. Now, if I'm suffering for my own wrong, I deserve it. Right? I mean, think about that. I deserve that. But if I'm obeying God and doing the right thing, and I've already been trying to be the right kind of citizen and good works and a good attitude and good alternatives and all of that, but I'm still being given grief by the government or by just by individuals, I'm suffering because I'm faithful to God. Peter says, hey, get happy. That's a great thing. You're suffering for righteousness sake. And there's nothing wrong with that. And in fact, uh, you know, uh, happy are ye, he says, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. He says, don't let this rattle you. Be ready to explain who Jesus is and why you're willing to suffer like this and about your assurance of eternal life. I mean, they can even kill me. But you know what? That's okay. Because my last breath here I will draw my first breath in the presence of Christ. Amen. So, as you see, you can't lose with the path I choose. <laughs> I've chosen Jesus. Really, he's chosen me. And no matter what happens to me on this earth, I will live forever with him in heaven. You see, I remember that I'm an expat. I'm an exile. Even though I'm living as an example, as an ambassador for Christ, this world is not my home. I belong with Jesus. Now you may be at the point in your life where you're realizing that as well, that you are a Christian, but you've been living too much for this world. Hey, remember who you are and whose you are and that you belong to Jesus Christ. You're not home yet. You're an expatriate. You are an exile in so many ways. And while you are those things, you are also an example. You are an ambassador for Christ. So let's start living like it and remember that. Maybe you're at the point where you're realizing that you're not a Christian, but you're on the losing team, which you are if you're not a Christian yet. And maybe you're at the point where you're ready to trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. You can do that where you are right now, turning from your sins to a personal faith in the living Lord Jesus Christ, asking Him to come into your life as an exchange of your life for His life. And you can have that happen right now. Maybe you have questions about that. I invite you to call this number. I'm going to say it twice, 888-537-8720. Eight 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 five three seven eight seven two zero. If you call that number, you will get the spiritual help that you need to either become a Christian and or to live and grow as a Christian. Well, I'm so glad you joined us in our podcast today, and I hope that this has encouraged you as a Christian or encouraged you to become a Christian yourself. Please spread the word about This Week in the Word. It can be easily found 
by searching for dredhill.podbean.com. That'll take you to the, the home of This Week in the Word, where you can listen to any of our episodes 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long, free. Thank you for listening, and God bless you richly is my prayer.